Makers, Cozy Zone friends, Ben Weber here. I'm sitting in my bedroom. It is Saturday morning. I'm breathing in the scent of a Mrs. Myers clean day candle. I think it's a geranium flavor. What do we have here? Yep, geranium. Mm, very floral. <sighs> Breaking news. I have so many feelings. And I'm, I'm working so hard to make sense of all of them, to be friends with them, to reckon with them. Oh, boy, am I working hard. You know, in this work, it often yields beautiful results. You know, and I'm, I'm covering this, this hidden, ancient pain that I can now acknowledge and process. I'm learning how to be curious about my anger and sad, sadness and, and letting it flow through me as, and, and hopefully being able to let it go and not let it stick. And I, I'm striving to write and create and make art and, and acknowledge all of my creativity and my inner artist and my, my productive self uh, armed with this newfound courage to delve deep into the abyss of my feelings all of this stuff that has been accumulating maybe since the womb, hard to say. Oh, but all of these these feelings, they, they are just rocking my very core. Can I, I can I share with you some of the things I'm I'm grappling with? I'm gonna. Here here it goes. So here's some questions that I'm chewing on. How can I find more joy in my job? How can I forge more connection in my romantic partnership? How can I build a mutually nourishing relationship with my, my metamor? That's the, the sweetie of my sweetie. How can I feel safe in all of this necessary communication around my poly? God, I really want to know how to feel more safe. When is therapy going to fix me? Am I ready to become a parent? How will I become a boundary-breaking comedy artist? And when am I going to get a haircut? My hair is so long. Uh, I'm pushing it behind my ears. I'm trying to put all sorts of goop in it. It's very long. But I get a lot of compliments on my hair, which is very good. But gosh, my my emotional architecture is so fraught and and twisted that it is so hard for me to even take compliments when it happens. I, I have to share this idea that crashed into my head last night. Uh has to do with quilt makers. It, so it's this allegory and it's this metaphor that's providing comfort and I, I'm chewing on it and it, it's it's sort of giving me a, a bolstering perspective on uh, how to navigate some of these questions. I, I got to share it with you. Okay, so if you've read uh, Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials, um, the Golden Compass series, uh, there's Lyra. I, was it a movie? There's a polar bear. But everyone in that world has a, a demon spelled Damon or the, the Greek the Greek spelling of, of this. And a, a demon is like an animal spirit guide, uh, a, an avatar, uh, a doppelganger, a, a, a manifestation of, of yourself, a spirit guide animal. Uh, so, so 
inspired by this, imagine that all of us have uh, some sort of being, uh, invisible, visible, uh, but separate from ourselves, that uh, their only job is to, to create a quilt, to be a quilt maker. And this, this being uh, watches over you and, and looks for the meaningful moments in your life. And, and once this being sees a particularly meaningful moment, they, they take a, a swatch of, of fabric and they stitch it to another meaningful moment. And, and each day, this being uh, stitches together all of these different squares of fabric representative of all of these meaningful moments, and they create a, a large square for your day. And this being has been with you your whole life, and they're making this this enormous life quilt comprised of all of these meaningful moments. And of course, you know we live in relationship with other people. We are we are interdependent on other beings. So these these quilt maker beings, a part of ourselves, collaborate with each other. Certainly, other people can create the most meaningful moments. At least in my experience, that that is what brings my life meaning and nourishment is is interacting with other people and so these quilt makers can interact with each other and and craft a quilt together so you can imagine that you know uh, parents and children have have a very specific quilt making collaboration friends have a very specific quilt making collaboration and romantic partners lovers have a very very unique quilt making experience I'm thinking about this 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 quilt because I I am mustering up the courage to look upon the entire tapestry of my life. I am I have so much fear of reckoning with all of the past and and all of the things that have happened before. All of these meaningful moments, I, I'm I'm terrified really of what moments are being recorded in this quilt. And is it ugly? Is it scary? Is it monstrous? Probably not. And so I'm I'm beginning to muster up the courage to look upon that. And something that I am struggling with is how can I, how can I share this quilt with, with others? I mean, we, we have different uh, abilities to acknowledge our own quilt, to acknowledge the quilts of others uh, as this, this life tapestry metaphor. So I, I really want to share all of these moments with the people who are most important with me in my life. I want to be seen. I want to be recognized. And really, I want to travel on this quilt together. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Excuse me. A profound spirit sneeze as I'm reckoning with this quilt maker metaphor. Uh, yeah, so here's some, it, it's, it's something I'm chewing on. I'd love to hear your feedback. Um, there are several channels through which this feedback can occur, why don't you tweet at me, at CozyZones on Twitter, at BenWeberProjects on Instagram, BenWeberProjects.com for a, a lovely quilt of all of the Cozy Zones that have happened before. Uh, email me, Ben at SmashType.com if you have some thoughts and feelings. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel good about sharing this this quilt metaphor. I, I'm really trying to envision it, and, and it brings me a sense of wholeness and a sense of hope that maybe I can strive to make quilts with other people in a more profound, poetic way. And I can share the quilt that is around me, that is my life with others, um, and they can recognize their own quilt patterns.
in my quilt. Uh, last night, I got a chance to do some monologues for a gentleman party show, a, a hilarious sketch group at the People's Improv Theater. Thank you so much to Anna Dresden and, and all of Gentleman Party for inviting me to do that. It was, it was fabulous, spectacular. I laughed so much. I felt very honored. Thank you so much. My guest this week is Marisol Rosa Shapiro, a colleague of mine, uh, a clown, a physical performer, uh, a beautiful spirit, a beautiful soul. Uh, and it was such an honor to uh, travel with her to Coney Island, dub it Cozy Island, and experience what that what that was, what that world is to her. We, we had a lot of surprises, twists and turns. We had delicious pizza. Uh, Marisol is just a, an inspiring performer, uh, and I love the way that she interacts with the world. She brings me so much joy uh, and inspiration, and you guys are just going to love this episode. So thank you so much for tuning in, as always. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear some ideas. Uh, I, I'm so proud to present to you episode 43 of Cozy Zone with Ben Weber, Marisol Rosa Shapiro at Coney Island. Hmm. <sighs> uh, Marisol. Hey, Ben. This is so nice. Welcome to your Cozy Zone. Oh, thanks. Welcome to my cozy zone. Thank you. <laughs> I think that's... We've got a peripatetic cozy zone happening oh today. Oh, God. Wait, tell me, what, is, what does that mean? Like on the go, on the move. Peripatetic means on the go. Yeah. What, what, uh, when else would you use that word? I don't know. I, it's sort of come into my vocabulary a lot very recently because um, it seems to describe me really well at the moment. Yeah. I, I also... <clears throat> I don't know, I feel like I have to be that way a lot, too, always on the go. <laughs> uh, New York life. It's a hustle, man. Yeah. Uh, where, where are we right now? <gasps> Look oh, at you. Oh. I was listening to you and Skylar. Oh, me and Skylar. You have, you have Cozy Zone on your, on your app. Oh, isn't that cute? That's so nice. That's so nice. Um... I'm... It's really funny, because I feel like I've listened to a lot of you and Sam Gold, and still it's like... Two hours remaining. <laughs> oh yeah, Sam Gold. That's we. That's the record. The record breaking. Is it one? Yeah, there's a lot. Well, we play a lot of Magic: The Gathering, uh-huh. which is you know it's all indulgent, but like this is, I don't know. You gotta, you gotta live life. You gotta make art boldly. You gotta, you gotta do too much. Someday, someday I'm gonna edit them all down. Maybe I won't. I'll do something. It's all, it's all raw material for the next life you know what I mean it's kind of like what do I want to be buried in my tomb with and I think it's like hours and hours and hours <laughs> of these cozy, cozy conversations zone. yeah um this is rich that this word came up oh yeah yeah Wh- why because it's really it's it's just right so you're you you looked up peripatetic on your phone I did we're above ground on yeah. the F train, we can we can't see the ocean yet, but we were over a big, big cemetery, and we're riding around, right around Brooklyn. Yeah, South Brooklyn. I love this train. Like I was saying to you before, this ride is one of my favorites. 
It's probably my favorite ride on the subway in all of New York City. Specifically the F? Yeah, or the Q or, or the whatever Q. goes down <coughs> or the the N. Eh, I'm usually not on the N. I'm usually yeah. on the F or the Q all the way down to Korea. Okay. But so the Coney Island bound F or Q train. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is it is a treat to be above ground and to like look at I don't know, beautiful things. Because, I, I don't know, I feel like some above-ground trains, like the JNZ, that's, that's I'm sort I'm never of, on those trains. No. I don't even know what no, that's it's, like. It's brutal. Really? It's like a, I don't know, it's like a, a wasteland. <laughs> Where is that? Queens? Some uh, parts of Brooklyn? Uh, yeah, like Bushwick, uh, Queens. Yeah. But, like, very industrial. Mm. Um, yeah, and I They're wonder... Yeah, I'm sorry. No, so see, there are parts of the seven above ground that are nice. Too, oh, yeah, in that's Queens. true, yes. But I don't know, it's nothing like this. Because no. here you know, eventually, you're going to see the ocean. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Like, oh, yes. And we were <laughs> saying that, you know, I, 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 haven't seen, I haven't seen the ocean in a long, long time. Uh, maybe, well, I, at least the New York-based ocean. Mm. And you just, you just saw an ocean, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Or, or the sea. sea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Tyrian Sea. Oh, is that how you say it? I don't. I don't care. That okay. sounds so nice. <laughs> yeah, I was at the sea. It was real nice. I was on a. I was on a ferry. Where were you going? Uh, Isola d'Elba, Elba oh. Island. Oh. Oh. Off of Livorno, in Italy. It was beautiful. Wow, we can really hear that man on his phone. Yeah. That's cool. We've got a lot of languages going on on this F train. Always. You uh, you have a beautiful Italian, Marisol. Grazie. Prego. <laughs> um, mm, Avenue U. It's nice, actually. I got So I got home on Friday from Italy. And yesterday I went to visit my grandmother at the nursing home where she lives on mm. the Upper East Side. Mm-hmm. And there's a beautiful couple there, this Italian couple. Um, the woman is uh, a resident, and she's like she's nonverbal. She sits there with her mouth open, like she looks pretty far gone. But yeah. her husband comes to visit her every single day, and he's a musician. Mm. He's usually playing the piano if there's a, like a party or an opportunity for him to play the piano, and he sings. And they're beautiful, and they're Italian, <clears throat> so they were at yesterday. <laughs> my grandmother was down in the rec room to see the to see some guy playing music like you know the old tunes from, yeah. from their day uh-huh. and uh, this couple was sitting behind us and he was asking me questions about like the names of some of the songs and things I was speaking to him in Italian and it felt nice it felt like a nice transition back here to get to speak Italian with this sweet old couple oh, yeah can I can I live vicariously through your Italian vacation briefly <laughs> yes, like so what so uh, what what brought you to to Italy and e- Is, what is it? How do you, I, Isola d'Elba. I, Isola d'Elba. Right. <laughs> um, so I I studied in Italy for three years. Okay. That's where I did my real like theater training, my Lecoque based training. Ah. And I got I finished there in May of 2014. So about almost two years ago. Okay. <laughs> This guy is so funny. Sorry. There's a man on the train just with a very loud voice. Um, and uh, I. Uh, I was in Florence for all that time. It was a total of 21 months, I think, over three years. I was there like seven to eight months a year for three years. 
and uh, I haven't been back since then, which is not so long. Like, it doesn't seem like a thing that would be typical to, like, go to Italy every year or yeah. every two or whatever. I mean, uh, yeah, because uh, it's not family. It's, you know, it, it's a particular... I mean, it's your art self, right? You yeah. you honed your art self in Italy, and maybe it's something that you would just go and let go, and yeah, why would you go back necessarily? You you have, I don't know. But it turns out that I just made some really, really beautiful friendships there, too, in, in my class. So I went to visit three of my friends and one of my teachers, mm. um... The opportunity presented itself to get out of town for a week, and I just I've like had a lot of heartache for those friends in particular. Uh, so I was like, I'm just gonna go, because more than two years felt like too long to wait to see those friends. Yes, and I could. I, what a fortunate, what a, what a fortunate thing. Yeah, that's go. so great. That's so great. Yeah. And how how are they doing? And how like how has your friendship held up? How has it developed? It's great. It's funny. So I saw one of my teachers who's opened a new little school in a town outside of Florence called San Miniato. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really beautiful because he has opened a, a mask atelier. So he was our mask teacher. And the mask atelier is in a storefront on the main street in this tiny, tiny, tiny Italian village. Uh, so people just walk by and, like, look in the window and come in and give gifts to the students and, like, pop in. It's really, really beautiful. That it's cool. beautiful. Yeah. Because it's like he's building, he's building a community there in a, in a new way. Um, and then there's also a studio space where they, like, rehearse and have class mm-hmm. Um But so he's doing great. It was cool to see him running his own thing because he was one of the master teachers at the school that I attended, but not the sort of lead founder. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's cool to just see how he does it his way. Yeah. Um, That was beautiful. And then I went from there to Elva Island, where my friend Julio lives. And Julio is an amazing poetic human and a um, really a social entrepreneur. He's really, really made his life about bringing poetry to the world, not necessarily about making art himself, like making theater, but his background is in like TO and working in communities in Brazil. Theater of the Oppressed. Theater of the Oppressed, uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, for, those of, for those of us listening. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he was telling me about this project he's working on to marry red nose clown work and some therapeutic modalities and he's also written a book of poetry and he's made a red-nosed clown show that has yet to premiere but he's just and he plays music he's like doing all the things he's just bringing poetry to the world and uh so he's doing great and then i saw my friends irene and andrea who live in torino which is a very different city from any other italian city i'd been in have you ever been in torino um I don't think so. I don't think so. It's very, like, European okay. in the sense that it's, I don't know, it felt to me kind of like being in Berlin. Oh. It's a little bit, I don't know, somehow colder and more square oh. than the rest of Italy. Right. Uh, we can get off the train here. Let's do it. Okay. All oh, right. look, you can see the cyclone. Oh, we see, oh this is great. <laughs> um, 
All right, so we're we're connected here by the cords, yep. but I think I think it'll I think this we'll way. make it work. Okay. Great. Um, yeah, so he lives on Elba Island, Julio, and then and then Irene and Andrea live in Torino, and um, it was cool. You asked me before about how the how the friendships feel, mm-hmm. and I spent four I think four full days or three full days and four nights with Irene and Andrea. Uh, Irene was in my class at school, uh-huh. but we realized when we were saying goodbye that we hadn't actually spent that much time together outside of class. But it was really, but I always really, really loved Irene, like very, very deeply loved Irene. She, I was telling you earlier, she's an incredible physical comedian, yes. just has got comedia in her blood, just a wild, wild, wild funny woman what is what is something that like she did that made you lose it she okay so at the end of our second year you want to go first yeah, i'll, I'll go follow first. you this is we're going out of the turnstile here right. it's a little complicated uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um perfect uh-huh. that was really done really well yeah um okay Irene at the end of our second year we had to do these solos and Irene did a um pantalone solo uh-huh. so she was in a classic old you know leather pantalone mask yeah big nose uh huh. Big nose and and the bushy eyebrows. Yep. Um, of course, in the tradition of the archetypes and stereotypes of comedia, he's the like old Jewish dude, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so she just played, and and he always thinks he's dying. That's that's the <laughs> okay. comedia thing. Like, uh-huh. Besides being weird and greedy about his money, because like haha, that's that old so, stereotype sort of, like, of Jews, uh, like Argon and, and imaginary invalid. Yeah. The Moliere guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, always thinks he's dying, et cetera. So uh, she just did this unbelievable pantalone solo that included things like giving herself mouth-to-mouth resuscitation <laughs> and, like, reviving herself with the paddles, you know, the heart, <laughs> yeah. the heart paddles. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And at the end, she finally ends up playing the piano uh, after just... Lots and lots of Lazzi, which are, you know, the the, the games, like yes. the improvised games. Um, I don't know. She's just wild, man. There were times when I was hanging out with her this week, especially when also my friend Vicky, who's English, came to visit. And there were times when the three of us would just have these long, nonverbal, like long, nonverbal communication that was all in weird physical comedy language like just no words and it was really funny what would you what would you talk about <laughs> uh it was usually some kind of a riff on something funny that someone had said or done uh. or something we'd seen or something we were remembering from school and then it would just go on for several minutes that's lovely yeah um this is lo- so where we are right now here. we're we're here so stop and take yeah, it in let, for a let's, second let's definitely do it so we're we're facing the cyclone here mm-hmm what is that noise? Mm, it sounds like they're fixing something or cleaning something. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but we're also in the, this this field <laughs> of tall grasses. Yeah. And uh, we're near we're near the aquarium. Yeah. And there's uh, yeah this big apartment building and. We can see the train the train the track. Uh, track above ground. The cyclone. I love. Um, what do they call this now? Luna Park. Yeah, Luna yeah, Park in yeah. the in the winter when it's sort of abandoned. 
I don't know. I think it's sort of beautiful and calming. Yeah. I like being at the beach in the winter generally. We don't see the beach yet, but we're really close no. to it. Do you want to? Do you want to go see it? Yeah, let's, let's go, go see it. Yeah, good. <laughs> um. I think we need to go. Oh, hmm. I guess we could go either way. This way? Uh, yeah, it's hard to Are tell. Are you fine? Are you comfortable? Yeah, I'm, you know. Okay. Yeah, that is such a weird noise. Oh. Is it an animal noise? No. No. But, like, it maybe they're power washing the Wonder Wheel? Yeah. There's a man. <gasps> Seagulls? Seagulls. You can hear them a little bit, right? Yeah. On the, through the mics? Yeah. That's well, real that's nice. the train. Yeah, maybe... I don't know. Well, we'll find our way. We'll find our okay. way. We may need to make a left here. I yeah. think we do. Yeah. I like I yeah. think that's We're trying good. to find our way through the tall grass to uh-huh. uh to the boardwalk. Okay. Uh, well, there's the aquarium. There's the aquarium. I've never been. Oh, cool. Uh, you've been a lot? I've been a lot. Huh. Um, I Okay. So, here's the should I t- start talking about why this is the cozy zone yeah, for yeah, me? Yeah, please. Okay, so I'm a native New Yorker. Amazing. And when I was in high school, um, in addition to doing lots of theater, I sort of was fascinated with like marine biology. Mm. Um, at one point, my senior year of high school, um, I did a half year long project at the Museum of Natural History. Uh, working with an ichthyologist that's a fish expert Uh uh, measuring and counting scales and stuff on a new what she was proposing to be a new species of um, cichlid from Madagascar so I spent a lot of time at a desk like in the bowels of basically a storage space in the Museum of Natural History um, handling fish that were that had just been in formaldehyde, but it was really cool. There was I sat next to a woman, another scientist from Argentina, um, who was also a lover of literature, and um, we talked a lot about that. and And then I got to leave. The, I got to be in the museum when it was closed all the time, oh like in the evenings and stuff. So to walk around the dioramas, you know, with all the animals yes. at night, it was. Yeah, it's all that night in the museum stuff. There's the water. There's the look. water. Oh my God, Monisol. Oh my God. We should walk. Let's like walk a little bit down there, away from these big bathroom trailers. Yeah, I love these big bathroom trailers, <laughs> but uh, totally. All right. Uh, do you want to? Maybe at some point we'll sit down and you'll adjust. Yeah, but this is okay. I okay. feel. I kind of feel like a um, proper. A proper British lady <laughs> clutching my my handbag. Kind of clutching your purse there. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, oh, I was telling you a long time ago why we're here. Right. So I did this thing at the Museum of Natural History. Right. So with your ichthyologist, with your, your is it cichlid it's pronounced? Yeah, I think cichlid so. Cichlid from Madagascar. Yeah. Madagascar. And uh, anyway, so the other thing that I did, though, in high school along those lines was I was an, um, a docent here at the New York Aquarium. Oh, wow. Okay. In the summers. For two summers. And uh, I spent a lot of time in that building there. You can see that says Education Hall. Mm -hmm. That's where I was trained. Wow. And then I would hang out, um, hang out by the walruses and tell people about the walruses. I had my first kind of serious boyfriend (laughs) who was, (laughs) who was a shark expert. Oh, wow. Um, 
from a <laughs> Jewish Russian family up at uh, Sheepshead Bay. Mm -hmm. And he what, was what, a few years older than I was. What, what was your first date with this this shark expert, the walrus, <laughs> the walrus expert, and the shark expert? How did, how did you two um, come together? You know, I really don't remember. I wish I remembered. I can tell you that we spent a lot of time at his his family's apartment in Sheepshead Bay. Uh -huh. Um, and like walking around by the water up there and swimming here. And, uh, he was really into, oh God, now I forget the name of the company, but there's some company that makes really, really cool mm, little models of like film creatures and characters and things. Okay. Starts with an M I think. Anyway, so he, he had like all the jaw stuff and he used to wear it like shark tooth around mm, his neck. Do you mm -hmm. want to sit for a sec? Yeah, yeah. It's right here. Great. Um, Backless bench here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is this was sort of my first job. I mean, I was an intern. Uh, yeah. But it was my first job in the sense of the place where I was expected to show up and have my uniform and be responsible and know things and seem like I was an expert. Yeah. What was this? What was this Russian boy's name? It his. His Hebrew name is Gilad. Gilad. And his Russian name was Gennady. Gennady. Gilad. And for a while, after we stopped really knowing each other, I would look for him online. I Googled him a few times. I couldn't find any information. Mm. And then in the last year or so, I found out that he, I want to say he's an educator at the Queen's botanic garden or something hmm. does that exist uh, i think so yeah and uh he's married i actually uh, I, the reason i found out about him is because there was a new york times announcement uh, do you have to be fancy to get a new york times announcement about your wedding i don't know or I pay a bunch of money how it works i'm i have no idea yeah it made me think you maybe married somebody fancy but i don't know. I, d uh, I don't know i yeah would you want that would you want a new york times i don't think so no i yeah i don't i mean i don't care no only if only if it were to like tell a really cool story about something really right. cool that happened. Sure, sure. That yeah, like that. And you would probably, I mean, that would be one of many outlets. Yeah. Where that story would exist, mm. that'd be like the least exciting way that that story would be told, probably. If it's I think so. if it's cool enough for that, you would want it in the New York Times. <laughs> um. So, but how did like how did Gilad woo you? Like, I I just I'm curious about like. This, this aquarium romance, romance and world, and like you know, you, it sounds like it's a big time in your life. You know, first job, like being important. You know, interpreting <laughs> things for for other people. Like you know, it's a it's a pretty serious vocation, the vocation of interpretation. Uh -huh. You know. Um. I mean, what I mostly remember was just that he was really kind. He was really nice. And he had dark, he had like black hair and bright blue eyes, which is a combination that I just find really striking and yeah, I was really yeah. like. Um, and I don't know, I remember, I remember a lot of meals with him. I remember also his friend, a friend, another friend of his who worked at the aquarium who we spent a lot of time with. I don't know, 
know. I feel like he was just generally kind of romantic, but it's so long ago now. I don't remember the details, unfortunately. That's okay. I do remember there was something delicious we used to eat at his house that his stepmother prepared Mm. that was a piece of meat that I could not identify. It was very porous. Did you like bread it and fry it? Hmm. Porous. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I don't no. know what that. Could I think be. it was some. It was some like organ. Triper. Like, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Was it? What did it taste like? It was like I don't know. It tasted kind of like a chicken. Chicken something. It's like a chicken. <laughs> like Cut- a chicken cutlet. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. And he had a really big, beautiful black Russian terrier who he used to take out on walks. This is very nice. This sounds very idyllic. It was really nice. Yeah. It was a little bit complicated because he was three years older than I was, uh-huh. which when I was 15 was like... Yeah, you're different Kind people. of significant. I mean, he yeah. was in college. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, it's different. So my mother, I think, was a little bit worried about it. Yeah. Yeah. But it was nice. He was gentleman to me. He was never... He never tried to, like, get me to do anything I didn't want to do. Great. <laughs> or didn't feel ready for Great. That's nice. That is nice. Yeah. Yeah, but I, because, you know, all of that, you know, all of those, those first relationships set us up for a life of love, you know. Mm. Our first, our first, was that your, like, first relationship? Yeah, probably. I was, around that time, I also dated another Russian mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. named Ilya, who I went to high school with. Um, they were around the same, like, general time period. But I feel like, uh, yeah, I feel like Gilad felt very significant. Mm. I mean, it sounds like, I mean, there's a lot of like, I don't know, like home space creation or just sort of like sharing kind of, I don't know, domestic things that, yeah. that feels like really meaningful. Even to this day, I know that like, that's some of the most meaningful time I spend with a loved one is like, the domestic time. Yeah. And it's funny, actually, that's really on point that you say that. Because when I think of Elia, who I was also with around that time of my life, like, I don't, our relationship was all in in the school space. Mm-hmm. I don't remember having really any relationship with his family. Yeah. At all. And I don't, and I have very few memories of that relationship generally. Mm-hmm. But with Gilad, it's like, yeah, I have lots. Mm-hmm. What is, what is your background uh, like? Where are your people from? Ah, my dad's family is Jewish mm-hmm. mm, from Russia and Austria. And my mother's family is Puerto Rican and very mixed up racially. Like my grandmother's father's name was Oberman. Last name was Oberman. Okay. He was black. Okay. My grandmother's father. Um, But my mother is convinced that somewhere in the family there's also on her side that there's jewish blood okay um and then my aunt my grandmother's half sister i think they had the same father no same mother i actually don't know anyway she was very indigenous looking okay so i and then my grandfather was from the mountains my grandfather was a very light-skinned he actually almost looked a little bit like east asian Whoa. um so yeah they're all mixed up wow very is like very island story yeah all the people who came through like spread their seed <laughs> all over they all yeah. end up in, all ended up in my family it, what like 
I don't know what what aspect of that sort of rang through like in the way you grew up like in terms of like food and and, mm. and like music and culture like what what resonated with your childhood yeah food christmas time and thanksgiving roast pork coquito um arroz con gandules my grandmother oh my god when i was a kid my grandmother used to send these frozen boxes of food sorullitos which are like um cornmeal based with cheese in the middle mm-hmm. and you like fry them mm-hmm. pastelillos again some kind of a some kind of a like dough on the outside you <laughs> stuff with pork and then like fry them up um everything fried uh-huh. um but man i used to i remember being so excited when those boxes would come mm. that's a really nice memory actually that mm. i haven't thought about in a long time um yeah, the music too. I mean, anytime I hear salsa, I can't sit still. Mm-hmm. It's like forget it. I generally <laughs> can't sit still, but the <laughs> especially in that context. Um yeah, that all speaks to me a lot. So does the Jewish stuff. But I I grew up very very secular okay. on, on both sides. Yeah. I think I was baptized Roman Catholic in free original sin. <laughs> um thank goodness, right? Yeah. Um, but I didn't, I didn't have my first communion or get confirmed or any of that. I wasn't bat mitzvah. Yeah. I don't speak any Hebrew or mm. read any Hebrew, sadly. Mm. Except Gilad. Yeah, right. <laughs> 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 but I hosted my first, I helped to host a, um, a Passover Seder oh, nice. a couple years ago in Italy, actually. Cool. Which was really fun. That is fun, man. Uh, Italy seems to have a strange relationship with with Jews, mm. like uh, I, I visited Italy uh, with uh, with my ex, whose uh, family was uh, Italian and, and is from a little village in the south of Italy in Naples. Mm. Uh, and especially, <gasps> did you go there? Oh yeah, to the south. Oh, oh. yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Oof. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Around Napoli, that's oh, like. Oh yeah. Mm, yeah. That's the, mm, that's the stuff. Yeah, that is the stuff. It's incredible. It was like one of the most incredible places on earth it was uh-huh. so beautiful so like rich in, in food and, and culture and just like people are living the, so there's sort of like a you can trace you know the way that people lived you know hundreds and hundreds of years ago mm-hmm. um but people people are weird about jews like they've never really met a jew you know mm. don't know what it is like Ebreu, right is that the Ebreu, yeah. Ebreu, the italian word uh, they, because they, you know, they're wondering. Because I don't know what people make of you when you go to Italy or when you first went. I don't know what they thought you were or if they, if they said, they, they well, named you. Uh, not so much. Yeah. I mean, they always notice that I speak Italian with a, probably a little bit of a like Spanish speaker uh-huh, accent. Uh-huh. So they make fun of me a little. Like my Italian friends make fun of me a little bit for my accent. Yeah. Even though my Italian is pretty decent. Yeah. But I have a funny accent. I don't know. Th- I'm. Uh, this is a question I'm thinking about a lot lately. Is my racial and ethnic identity, and also how I'm perceived. Yeah. Because it's sort of complex. Yeah. And especially now that as an educator and as a teaching artist, I'm finding myself in a lot of environments where the question of race, I think, is very important. Yeah, and present and, and urgent, and yeah, yeah, all of these things. Yeah. I. It's I'm like confronted with these questions more I think than I ever have been before. That's really interesting. It's really good and it feels really complicated. Yeah. 
And I wonder, too, you know, like, if that also, if there's a conversation or a dialogue between that exploration, like, you're you're being confronted with it in, like, a sort of racially uh, diverse classroom or sort of in a classroom as an educator, mm-hmm. but also, like, as a physical performer, you know, your body is constantly being read by an audience. Mm-hmm. And it's also probably pretty important to have a, a very key understanding a very you know tapped in understanding of how an audience is is reading your body mm-hmm. but <clears throat> it sounds like the the sort of spark for this question happened in a classroom as opposed to like an audience yeah well uh, in I, your work mm, you make a good point though like when i was in italy yeah. especially because we were dealing with like in commedia and in grotesque space too we we're dealing a lot with stereotype and archetype mm-hmm, right mm-hmm these questions did start to come up for me and it's interesting because the stereotypes and archetypes, racial and ethnic stereotypes and archetypes that I started to play that were just like naturally coming out of my body mm-hmm. had a lot more, were much more the Puerto Rican part mm. than the Jewish part. Mm-hmm. So that feels closer somehow. Well, it's interesting because as you were describing like what was resonating Mm. sort of, you know, there's a lot of like, you know, food and like the sense memory of like Puerto Rican food Mm -hmm. and and salsa like and then and and I'm Jewish, (laughs) you know, like it's it. I mean, that makes a lot of sense just based on and what is connecting to you, what resonates with you. Yeah. Which makes a lot of sense. And I, I would say that like, I don't know, there's such. I don't know, there's such cachet and otherness, I feel like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I am, a, I, for all intents and purposes, a privileged white guy. You mm. know what I mean? Which is, like, not super cool. Like, it's not cool to be a privileged white guy. Mm. I, I mean, I mean, it's cool, like, if you, you know, are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be, like, uphold the patriarchy. And, <laughs> like, you know, like, feel comfortable as the member of the ruling class. Uh-huh. But, like, as someone who doesn't really, like, there's some discomfort in that in my own privilege basically Mm -hmm. um and so like for me thinking about oh yeah like i would i would love to do like jewish stereotypes like i would love to play like that would be something that that feels close and feels like accessible to me like that just uh, because that's all i got you know or like the midwest i don't know Hmm. (laughs) what about being jewish from the midwest you know um how did like how did people perceive Jews where you're from? You know, all of my friends, I was like friends with all the Jews <laughs> okay. in my high school, uh-huh. and so we all sort of stuck together, and like we were all bar mitzvahed and went to Hebrew school together, and I mean, we went to our high school was like really lovely and beautiful and supportive, and like that. So there wasn't a lot of, I mean, there was no local synagogue. We would have to go to the next town over, like mm-hmm. a ten minute drive away, to go to the synagogue. Um, there's like a lot of a lot of Christians, a lot of Methodists and Lutherans, and few Catholics. Um, but ca- you know, there's a bit of like tension around mm-hmm. Catholics, I think, in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And so Protestant is like the way to be. Um, but I never felt I never felt uh, particularly uh, shut down or othered, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but when I came to New York, I was just like, oh. Shit. Like <laughs> this is a different story. Yeah. Like it was just like, whoa, like everyone's Jewish here. Everyone's kinda Jewish here. Everyone's like Jewish. everyone's a little Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is which was a very new experience. And I was just sort of like, oh wow, like 
I, I, I think like I, when I, my first, I went to NYU. And so the first few, I mean, years of college, like I put on kind of an accent, like I, you know, I would talk a little New York, like <laughs> I would, you know, I had, there was such a, I don't know, it, like I wanted to be, I wanted to be, I want to be a native New Yorker. Like hmm. that's like, that's like, there's such cool there's such cachet according to me uh-huh. in, in being you know born and raised here mm. um that like you know i like being i i can never sort of shake off my midwestern roots uh, but i feel like that also gives you an ability to see this place with a lot of excitement oh yeah just like in a different open-eyed kind of way that is true that is definitely Cause true. Because for me, as much as I try to, because I love to get lost. Yeah. Uh, like wander and just get lost. And as much as I try to do that in New York, I always fucking find my way back to like the tracks that I know. Yeah. yeah. You know? Wow. Yeah. That's really interesting. Mm. Huh. And as big as it is, <laughs> as big as it is, I feel like, fuck, like, I want to need to find something else here. Yeah. Because you, yeah, you've you've found your way back here. Mm-hmm. Like this is. Uh, you went, you know, wh- where did you go to undergrad? I went to Princeton, so okay. I was like close. pretty close, yeah. Very local. Yeah. Uh, but then you sort of you fled to Italy mm-hmm. to learn about some physical comedy. Yeah. And now you're back. Now I'm back. Mm. But it's a big question mark for me about being back here. Yeah. Yeah. Because we were talking, I mean, something I wanted to to touch upon, just because it, it I resonate so so closely with it is this idea of like New York as like an anxiety producing beast belly. Yeah. You know? Like you know, you were saying uh, it was it felt really nice to be away, to have a lot of time to be on a train and read and relax and connect with friends and see you know different landscapes. And then you got back, and how did you feel? <laughs> I mean, I felt really shut in almost immediately. Just, I mean, this is why I love being here in yeah. part. Just having the horizon, you know, and yeah. like seeing the water and yeah. a sense of openness and possibility and everything. But I, yeah, I really being, this. Yeah, like being in the bottom of the cavern all the time. I always feel like I'm in the bottom of the cavern all the time. Yeah. And I do think that our bodies very quickly start to incorporate and reflect and become what's going on? No, just this older gentleman walking with his his speaker, his speaker. Bluetooth speaker. <laughs> so funny cuz from behind he looks like that's not the kind of music he'd be playing from his Bluetooth speaker. No. Like big band Cooler. Frank Sinatra, yeah. but he's got these like cool Sneaks and kind of baggy jeans and like a big puffy jacket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really great. That's great. Um, yeah, so I feel like when I'm here, I become very like metallic and metal and sort of, I don't know, metallic and glass. Ooh. High frequency like materials. A, like a skyscraper? Yeah. Or like... What do you like? Yeah. What what kind of being? Like what kind of metallic glass being are you? Like I'm on a track. Like I'm really vertical. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Skyscraper. Yeah. Very vertical and kind of. 
like solid yeah. and I don't know the sounds like you know yeah, the train <laughs> it sounds like the train stopping the train ch- stopping yeah. and all the things and I felt when I was away like oh the, I don't know the sort of round and soft parts of me mm. like the I mean I always feel I feel like I'm pretty loving like I got a lot of love to give all the time yeah. but the I don't know the part the bacino this thing that I was exploring beginning to explore yesterday in the Buteau class like the the pelvis and the like guts and the heat and the like the water and the roundness and the like warmth the flow I feel like all that goes a little goes a little the spiritual part and the granola part I don't know like all that softness I feel like I don't have as much access to on a regular basis as I'd like here it makes me think of it makes me think of like armaments and weapons and armor like the glass and metal mm-hmm. and that like to survive here you need literally need to arm yourself and put on protection and put like get your shields in order yeah, I feel that. And I know intellectually that that doesn't need to be the case. I mean, I meet people sometimes that live here that are like, ooh, like super seemingly like pretty flowy and yeah. pretty like warm and soft. And I'm like, how the fuck do you maintain that here? Yeah. I just don't know. I don't know either. I know it's possible. I know it's like it's sort of a matter of perception and yeah. and self-care. Like I don't do enough self-care here of those parts of myself. But... How how have you cared for those parts of yourself elsewhere? It has to do with having a little bit of physical space around me, I think. Um, Being able to feel more expansive, like coming here every once in a while, Mm -hmm. coming to see the water and... um, not feeling like I'm always going from box to box, you know? Yeah. From, like, my apartment box to my school classroom box with the subway box in between. And uh, we, all, we were supposed to initially do this cozy zone in a, in a studio, in a, in a rehearsal studio that's space. That's right. That's right. So also going there and, like, being in a space that's airy where yeah. I can just, like, make noise and, mm. like tremor and cry and yell Uh, and make and just like be big and expand but that takes time I mean I find like to get myself into a space where I'm really like in a flow creatively and feeling in my bot like embodied and everything it takes it like takes an hour oh yeah of just like moving and just laying on the floor and I I know I can just do that in my home space too, but it doesn't but feel. But can you? I mean, there, it's not. It's a different. I mean, there's different meaning in your like your home. Like it, it can't be everything. Like all spaces can't be everything. Like a like a partner or a lover. Like you can't. Mm. Like every space can't be the thing. And like I I wouldn't feel. I know I wouldn't feel safe. Like in my home space, really letting go and like really getting into Mm. like really diving in spending an hour on the floor like i've never i don't think i've done that like god i don't know it it ever if like in in a decade or more like that sounds really appealing right yeah (laughs) and that's the thing i do usually when i go into that space when i go when i go into the 
into the studio as I just like lay on the floor <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. And feel the support mm. of like just of my back. Yeah. Like, I feel like my back in my life in New York usually uh, my back is like in service of like transporting shit <laughs> yeah. from one place to another like transporting things yeah. and like transporting my head yeah. from one place to another yeah. you know yeah and i know and like all the all the good stuff is in your spine eh like sensuality is all in your mm. spine and mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh, <laughs> my my craniosacral therapist told me that my spine she saw my spine as like the mast of a of a ship and that like sort of uh, it is the thing onto which the sails are like billowing and flapping around and that my like there's a lot of responsibility basically yeah, and yeah, there's yeah. a lot of like the tension in that responsibility mm. that there needs to be this like solid uh post Center. yeah on on which every you know all of the nonsense all of the like feelings and and, and batterings that that happen because of living <laughs> you know can be can can it's be like rooted on together yeah. yeah and that's i mean that's taxing on your poor spine because your spine is not that right your spine is not a solid post mm. yeah i don't know I don't know. I just accidentally kind of like put the microphone in my mouth. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> that's, you can tell you, it's you, there's, you can't get too close to okay. these mics. Yeah, um, yeah that's. Mm -hmm. But like you forget, like I think it's really crucial to be reminded that yeah, that yeah, your spine is a floppy. It is, it is a thing. If sensuality is there. That's how imp that is so lovely to be reminded of. It's all in there. Yeah. And that, like, you can let it go and let the let the ground support you. Let it let let the earth yeah. do some of the work. Yeah, that for was you. a thing I felt. That was a huge thing I felt when I first got back from training from school from training. Was yeah. like I could just I didn't have to do so much physical work all the time. My body had its own integrity. I could be vertical without like working to be vertical. Like I was we're naturally vertical without a lot of work. But I lost. I feel like I very easily lose that sense and there's a thing too there's a um this is another native new yorker thing like this conviction that i have about like being responsible for yourself in this intensely close shared space all the time with all these other humans it's like uh being responsible for your space right for your biosphere and for kind of like maintaining yourself within your biosphere and not in interfering interfering too much with other people's biospheres unless you're invited to do so and so i feel like in the spine and i also feel it in my hips mm. like there's a lot of holding myself mm. together yeah. to like be as small as possible yeah. so i'm not interfering with anyone else or like making anyone else uncomfortable or taking up too much space which is funny because i'm like a tiny human yeah. but i just don't want to take up your space if i'm next to you on the subway I, I am i am actively fighting against that impulse because i think like all, all of the those contractions and and uh, like activities that you're describing are very poisonous they're very taxing know, terrible. uh and so it's like oh like what if it's okay for me to take up the space that i take up mm. what if it's okay for me to hold my ground and like let people knock into me in in protest of saying like actually this is this is where i am i'm sorry like you're gonna have to accommodate me right being my whole self yeah here. and i wonder if there's a way in which that can also invite other people to do the same thing yeah like that's sort of even more my concern is like as m as much as i'd like to myself 
take my space yeah. and let it go. I also would like for that to be to create safe space for other people to do that. Yeah, or but uh, there, I, I have to say that I the thing that pisses me off most mm. is people not being aware of the space that they take up, like yeah. swinging around their bags, like stepping on. Like you also have to be, you do have to be aware of what your, you know, impact is in right. this this ecosystem, especially on a train in rush hour. Yeah, but I wonder if there's like if there's a way. If there's a way of being able to be in physical contact with other people that's not aggressive and not mindless, right? but also not intrusive or inappropriate. So like, an, an like intentional... Like my leg is touching your leg, right. and that's fine. Well... Not, re- not, not really right not now because really, no, of the bag between the bag is, yeah. You but know, yeah, but like... So, so the bag is now in our laps... But this feels very intimate for, like, if you were a person I didn't know. Right, no. No, but, like, yeah, like, uh, I mean, it's a very, like, soothing. This is, like, like very soothing and, like, nourishing. Because, like, we know each other and, like, this is very pleasant. And, like, (laughs) we're at Coney Island and talking about feelings, you know. But imagine, I mean, I don't know. What would happen if you were sitting next to someone on the train who was, like, not smelly or or offensive in any way? Yeah. but, But, like. You're touching, like, yeah, but I think, I mean, that happens. Us. That happens all the time. Does that not happen to you? Are you always, like... I think I try to not do that. Hmm. I don't know. It feels really intimate. I wondered, I mean, I, I, I rather, I wonder if there is also, like, a gendered uh, difference to that experience. That. Meaning, like, as, a, as, a, as someone who's read as male walking through the world... Uh, there's a a bit more safety. Like I have a bit like if if I was to like touch someone like that, uh, m- I don't know that you don't feel. I wouldn't. It'd be like no, no. I would, it, and it's not like I I don't know. This is not like the. I'm just gonna say it, and we can we can chew on it. But like okay. I wonder if like someone who's read as female, uh, like touches someone, like is that is that an invitation? Or like, atten- does that like? Could that be perceived yeah, as an invitation? Yeah, more, more. Um, is, is there a higher likelihood of that with with a man? I don't know. I don't know. I hope not. Yeah, I mean, I hope not too. But I, I don't know. Like, because I, I guess I don't have a lot of. I like don't mind on, on the train, like touching someone's leg mm-hmm. with my leg. I don't, <laughs> I don't think about it very much. Uh huh. Uh, male privilege, I guess, but mm-hmm. or but maybe not. Maybe just. But do you do you feel indifferently about your body touching, um, no, no a matter lady's who, body or n- a no, dude's no, body? No, 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 no. No, that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's yeah. your different feeling? I probably, I probably, like dude's body, like. I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, are oh. you less likely to do this with a dude on the train? No, more likely. More likely. More likely. Oh, right, because you don't then you don't feel like you might be invading like, his space in the same kind of. Or way? it's just like I don't care. Like, like I'm like I'm less. Like I I have all sorts of like I think this is bringing up a lot of like chivalry, like in in grain chivalry things. Like I don't want to like be creepy, right. to like a lady uh-huh. next to me. I don't want to. But I guess like. You know, if it's like a pretty lady <laughs> next to me, and I'm like, you know, like maybe I'm—it's an invitation for me. I don't know, right. but I don't want that. But maybe I do. 
It's all very complicated. There's a lot of feelings. I don't know if, and but the, the thing is, I'm thinking about all this, and I would doubt that. I don't know how many people are thinking about how their bodies take up space in you a crowded room. I'm, I'm certain they're not. I watch them not. That makes me crazy. That's what I'm saying. That makes me crazy. That's what I'm saying. I'm the person, I'm always yelling at people on the train, excuse me, about like leaning on the pole oh, yeah. in a full subway car. Yeah, this yeah. is the thing that makes me crazy. Yeah. Leaning on the pole, also um, not moving in. Right. I get so grumpy. I hate it. Yeah. But, but it's but it, but it has to do with like... No, my feeling that everyone should be responsible to the community. Like the fact that you get on the subway car does not mean there are not still a hundred people behind you also trying to get into the subway car. Right. So if you get in the subway car and you just stand in the door, yeah, yeah, that's not unacceptable. I can't do that. And I come in and I go, um, can you please move in? There are so many people trying to get on the train. Do you see all the space in the middle of the car? Can you please move in? Thank you. <laughs> I'm so rude. But not. My mother says I'm going to get punched. You won't. You won't. That's so good. That's so nice. Like, can you? See, I mean, these are all like very helpful. These are very helpful things to tr- make people aware of their relationship to their bodies and space. I think. I think so too. Yeah. And the thing is, though, also you know, there are those signs now. Now mm-hmm. there are all the signs about all the things you're not supposed to do on yeah. the subway. Yeah. And to me, that feels like a little stupid and a little like fascist or something. Oh but it my. seems necessary. Some of it. I mean, yeah. I don't like the signs that say don't eat or don't clip your nails. Because first of all, who clips their nails on the subway? That, that's disgusting. So many fucking people. No. Clip their n- yes. You s- have you seen that? All the goddamn time. Really? All the time. Yes. It is disgusting. <laughs> I, I, I don't always see. I always hear it if I don't see it. What? Oh, my God. So the sign is necessary, It is I necessary. Guess. I've seen it I, at least, at least... <laughs> 20 times at least. I've not seen that. I have seen... In your whole life, you've never... No. I've seen people putting on makeup. That doesn't offend me. That's if they want to poke themselves in the eye yeah, with that's, mascara, that's, that's their problem. That's ill-advised, exactly. I don't... That doesn't offend no, me. No, the clipping the tone... Uh, the, the fingernails is just that's vile. Gross. It's just vile. I mean, but I've seen much worse things, Ben. Tell me. I once saw a woman who was clearly, like poor thing she was definitely having she's definitely going through it she's mentally ill or something anyway she like seemed to be masturbating okay or something okay. or or she was like making a point like she had her hand in her pants <laughs> like, either so like, it's either herself. either <laughs> either really masturbating or like Pro- being provocative like yeah like uh right but she was like <laughs> like all in her pants uh-huh. and then she was like touching the pole Ugh. <laughs> Boy, and I've seen, and then you know, I've yeah. seen like I just I recently on the L train, should have known. Got in a got in an L car. It was like before nine a.m. I think. And I was like, yeah, what? Get on the L. There's like room in the car. What? Awesome. I should have known better. I got in the car and immediately like <laughs> the cloud of stinky, and this poor man who I hope you I actually. I assume he was alive. I was a little worried he was not alive. Was like had just pooed and peed all over the bench. Oh. It was terrible. Ben, this is another thing. Oh, I'm listening. Why there are so many more homeless folks around than um, like on the street than there were recently? Why is that? Do you know anything about why that is? No. Do you? No. Wait. Wha- That's something I'm curious to know. Why about. Are there more homeless folks? Yeah. Uh, th- w- For like a while. 
like at the end of the Giuliani era and d- through the Bloomberg era yeah. of New York City, there were not so many homeless people on the street. Right. I don't know if there were less homeless folks or if they were being put in jail or if they were having more shelter. I don't know. But anyway, this is a very, very sad thing to me because the way that New York is now, the like number of homeless people there are around now reminds me of like when I was a kid. Mm. Um, in when the there were a lot more homeless people like on the, the street. Late and 80s, it was also, yeah. Early 90s, yeah. And it was also like crack and major heroin time. And yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, okay. Well, I hear music coming yeah, from somewhere. And so look over there. There's like <gasps> a huge gathering Yo. of, of uh, it looks like gentlemen in, in bathing suits. Think they're gonna go for a swim? Yeah. What are they doing? I don't know. Do you want to go like yeah. scope it out? I do. Well, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, they're like dancing. I might have to blow my nose. Yeah, me too. What uh, do we do? What if you need to blow your nose? Yeah. Do you have a something to uh-huh. blow it with? Oh, I can just hold your mic. Great, thanks. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> this is pretty good. Oh, they're doing jumping jacks. I think they're warming up their bodies to go jump in the water. Yeah, I guess it'd probably be pretty cold. The water's like much colder than the air, I'm guessing. You've never done the um, polar bear dip, have you? Never have, no. You? Would you? Yeah, I would. I would, I would have to, like, I don't know, do something. Do you want Do you want one of these? Oh, do you have another? Yeah, yeah, we're talking nose-blowing uh, apparatuses. Oh, there they go. Really? There they go. They're going in. Yo. Crazy young people, or do they look like... Uh, yeah, they. I think they do look like crazy young people. Crazy old people. No, I don't think so. There Thank you. Go. you. Thank no, you. I'll hold your mic. Oh, no, I you actually... You, you got it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's more of a wipe. Wipe action. There we go. Great. Okay, okay. Shall we um, walk over there, yeah. see what's up? Yeah, maybe head into the yeah. aquarium. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. That's so exciting. <sighs> this is, it is just so lovely. The colors of the horizon are so yeah. gorgeous. Have you noticed, I think we've been having much more beautiful sunsets in new york in recent months than i remember ever ever before yeah they always say or at least something i heard <laughs> once that, that that is a sign of uh, air pollution yeah mm-hmm. yeah no, i hear that too yeah the yeah. sunsets in florence are incredibly beautiful mm. every single night unbelievably beautiful but yeah they say that's why and maybe here too do you yeah. want to like no are you sure yeah okay this is, uh, uh, yeah, this is the labor of <coughs> love. It's actually, it's not so heavy. I love the people on the boardwalk Me here. Me too. I love them. Oh, my God. What a beautiful thing to be able to walk up here. Yeah. Especially in the winter. Yeah. And it, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty crowded, I'd say. A lot of people have this idea. Yeah. Which is smart, but not too many people. No, it's beautiful. Yeah. <sighs> mm, New York Aquarium. Yeah, this is the beautiful aqua metal work here <laughs> with all of the sea creatures. And yeah. Aqua, uh, I guess it's like coral. Ooh, sharks. There's a shark exhibit. May, or maybe it's coming. Ocean wonders. Sharks. 
Yeah, it looks like that's what they're building, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's a sample. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's hard to tell what what these these zany bathers are up to. <laughs> Let's go down and check. Great. And then we'll come back up. Yeah. Check out the check out the sea creatures. Great. I love it. Um. Is there, do you have a special somebody in your life? I do. I do. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. He lives in Philadelphia. And he's a theater artist and also a very talented musician and singer-songwriter. Mm. And we met for the first time like a year ago, September. Okay. Very, very, very briefly, uh-huh. because he and his partner at the time had um, a show in the Philly Fringe that uh-huh. I went to see, and I stayed afterwards. Actually, I chatted with her for a long time, um, and then I spoke to him also very briefly. Uh, and then when I was down in Philly this past <clears throat> September to do my little, oh, yeah, what, my what little is, Red Nose show. What is your show called? It's called Here at Home. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I would love to hear about that, too. I will tell you. Yeah. I will tell you about it. Um, but we met again. We ran into each other. We ran into each other at the, um, at the like, fringe office because I was going to pick up my little sandwich board mm-hmm. that I put, you know, you put outside your venue to yep. say, there's a show here. Yep. Um, and I saw him. and I was like, hey, I know who you are. You're Aaron Cromie. Ooh, I just said his name. <laughs> um, you, like, I've seen, I know who you are. And uh, uh, we talked for a couple seconds. He said he remembered me, too. Still not sure if that's true. He insists it is. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, wow, wow. These people are cray. I totally want to get in with them, but I won't. <laughs> Wow. It is. They are going for it. They're bathing. Bathing fools. What do you think? There may be like 30, 40 people in there? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Wow. Wait, let's get a little closer. Great. I want to see who these people Great. are. Yeah. Um, anyway, so he gave me his card. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. All right. Ciao. Like, see you later. Oh, he told me about a show that he was working on. I said, oh, yeah, I'm doing. I'm here doing this show. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, I'm doing this show. I was mm-hmm. like, great. He gave me his card. And I was like, all right, cool. Cool. Ciao. Bye. Um, and then about an hour later, I was standing outside of the Arden um, Theater okay. in Philly because uh-huh. they were renting me chairs okay. for my, my performance venue. Um, but they were closing the lobby. And they were like, well, you can take these chairs, but you have to take them outside right now because um, we're closing. And I was like, okay, great, okay. I was trying to get a cab. I was trying to get a cab. I was, like, calling, like, all the cab companies. <laughs> and this was before I had a smartphone. So I didn't oh, have, wow. like, Uber or Lyft or anything oh like my that. God. I just got a smartphone, like, a month, a couple months ago, maybe. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. I was very resistant. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I'm standing out on the street with my, like, personal suitcase, my suitcase that contains my show, and 20 folding chairs, like, kind of stranded, sort of unable to get a cab. They're all saying, like, yeah, okay, we'll send you a cab between, like, five minutes and never. It's like, <laughs> okay, great. 
<laughs> and especially if I told them, I was like, I need a big, I need a big car with like a big trunk to yeah. take some things, you know, com- uh, move some things around. They're like, yeah. we're not a moving company. Bye. Oof. So, <laughs> so I'm standing there like, not stressed, but kind of stranded. And then uh, Aaron wanders back up again. He's like, you look like you could use some help. It's like, yeah. And then he helped me get a cab and took me to the venue and helped me unload my stuff and then like took me to the place I was staying and we hung out and then the next night we hung out and we went to a show and we had dinner and then we just like kept hanging out. Awesome. And that was almost six months ago. And it just, it's still going. Yeah, it's real nice. That's he so lives nice. in Philly. Yeah. We are, I don't know, we're, it's really nice. That's so nice. We're not, Ooh, look, here's somebody. She's like, warming up, warming up, warming up. Wow. Yeah, she looks freezing. <laughs> Doing some shrugging um, and skipping. Oh, my gosh. This is... They all have gloves on. They're all, like, in water shoes and then bathing suits and gloves. Yeah. Do they all have gloves on? Let's get a little bit closer. Great, even. yeah. Great. <laughs> um, There's some people playing catch in the water there. You think this woman with the camera would know what's going I, on uh, here? I don't know. We we look like we're we're all sort of like pseudo media, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we do look like maybe we're radio journalists. Yeah, yeah. Um, they look really happy. Yeah, that, that their their bodies are so red. Yeah, with cold. Super red. And there's a lot of. I mean, you can hear the shouting. There's a. This is really wild. What is, what is happening? Have you ever read um, this piece that was a little bit of a meme for a while, this article that was going around about what happens to your body when you go deep in the water, when you free dive? No. Essentially, what the piece says, I think it's really beautiful. It's like really poetically written, but what it essentially says is that your body processes sort of... Um, revert or like devolve back toward how your body used to function when you were a sea creature weird slash in the womb weird so so what is that what it's what like the way that your body processes your blood the, you know your heart rate slows down okay. um your blood kind of goes toward the center of your body uh-huh. um your breathing obviously changes i don't know it's very beautiful the way he puts it but I feel very much at home in the water. I love to be in the water. Mm. I, I also find it terrifying because of the critters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just had the vast, 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 vastness and the vast unknown. Um, I do find it terrifying, but I also love it, man. I feel I've always been a bit of a fish since I was a kid. Oh, wow. would, you, would you be able to like deal with a walrus if you met one in the wild? Would you know? <laughs> How do I deal with it safely? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I could maybe get one to be playful. You think so? Maybe. If it didn't want to, like, kill me. They seem like they're death machines, walruses. Like, they, they really? seem like, they, yeah, like, easy, like, but those tusks, I mean, they could just kill you. I mean, they could, could kill you. That's like, true. no problem. They're so big. Uh-oh. 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 The water's coming real water. close to our toes here. All right. Should we go back up on the thing? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, this is so nice, though, isn't it? This is so that nice. Is so beautiful. Yeah. 
I, and these people are really they're so brave, they're brave and jovial. They are not leaving too. They are they are sticking. They're really in there. it. Oh man, and people people are really going for God, it. There's a wet man. Yeah. He's grinning. Everyone's <laughs> grinning like a fool. Wow. And there are people cheering them on from yeah. the shore and everything. Got to take a got to take a picture, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, they're all holding hands. What's going to happen? I don't know. This oh, there's like a ritual coming along here. This is great. Yeah. All right, Marisol, let's uh, selfie it up, huh? <laughs> Nice. One more, one more. Great. <laughs> nice. Um, yes, nice. Okay. Okay. Woo. Oops, sorry. Okay. Excuse me. <laughs> uh -oh. Um. Yeah. Let's see. Can you? Let's see if we can give you a little more slack here. Oh yeah, with my ears. Your your slack. Okay. <sighs> Hello. Oh yeah, we're still going. Okay. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> um. I don't know if that is actually real. I don't know what. <laughs> um, all right, so so yes. this this uh, this special person of yeah. yours lives in Philly. He lives in Philly, and it's really nice. It's really nice. Um, it feels good. We give each other a lot of space. Mm -hmm. I mean, we live in different cities. Yeah, it's part part of it. Yeah, we're both very engaged in our lives he um you know like i said he's a theater maker and he's directing and performing and um he's also really now into creating with his bandmate mm -hmm. he's in a wonderful little band um so that's a big part of what's like driving him through the world and i am working like a crazy person here in new york i'm yeah. working so much as a teaching artist it's yeah. wonderful and totally crazy yeah um so, uh, so we're just giving each other a lot of space and, uh, it feels really good to love and be loved and not have it feel like really dramatic and codependent. Yes. <laughs> That's so nice. And uh, I just, yeah, we're also, we're N not exclusive with each other uh -huh. and uh, that at the moment feels so much more intimate than any other relationship I've been in oh man and really hard and fuck Ben like when I started to really feel like oh, I love this guy I love him I also had the feeling of like oh fuck this like love fuck man it's so hard yeah. <laughs> it takes so much out of me and it doesn't feel that way it feels really nice it feels supportive and really joyful and it feels like the time that we do spend together um, is just rich and not pressured and we're doing I think we're both doing a lot of work to try and affirm and accommodate each other's needs and desires uh, 
and recognize that one's needs and desires are not necessarily about what the other person is giving or not giving or can give or can't give. Yeah. You know? I do. I do know. <laughs> I do know very, very deeply. Yes, you know. And it's really great. It's really great. Yeah. And I don't... I think we just we just want each other to be happy and fulfilled yeah. and satisfied. Yeah. Um, and curious and moving through the world in the way that's important to each of us. And that feels really nice. That is so exciting. Yeah. That is so exciting. I, uh, I mean, I, uh, wow. I mean, I, li- I, uh, I also am in a non-exclusive relationship mm-hmm. uh, with someone who I'm deeply in love with. Mm-hmm. Um, and our lives are very intertwined together. Uh, yeah. We do live in the same city, in the same house. Right. Um, which adds a, another layer of complexity to it. I think like... You know, there's so many questions about, <clears throat> you know, knowing yourself well enough uh, so that you can be a generous partner mm. is like, I think that is the biggest Oof. daily struggle that I have. And like being courageous in sort of f- figuring out your own Michigas and your own... <laughs> Uh, you know, shortcomings and fears and weaknesses and, you know, being generous to sort of ask for exactly what it is that you want and having the courage to not necessarily get all of that from yeah. the person you want it from. Uh, it's It's so intense. But I think, I don't know, I think it's <laughs> the way to be. I think it, mm. I mean, I think ultimately like, at the end of the day, like, you get to have all the love like that's the mm. that's the dream you know like if i mean i i still feel very much uh i have a lot of questions and i have a lot of fear and and pain but also a lot of joy and pride mm-hmm. and value and like astonishment of all of the gifts that are present in my love and in my life but it's really hard. It mm. is hard. And love is hard. Mm. Because, oh, watch out. Child. Whoop. Excuse us. Whoop. <laughs> Nothing okay. really exists over three feet for somebody that size. Hi. Oh, hi. Oh, hello. What a cutie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, what a flirt. <laughs> Look at those big eyes. What a cutie. Um, Do kids find you? Do kids gravitate toward you? Sometimes, yeah. 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 You? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a clown thing, I think. Yeah, I think so. The bit, yeah, it's the eyes. Well, so here we are at the aquarium. We're at the aquarium. I wonder if we uh, we can take a little pause to like so that we're not like on mic <laughs> to like paying to get into paying, the aquarium. Yeah, and stuff. I mean, y- I, yeah. Ooh, animal feedings. Glover's Reef, great. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's take a break. Yeah, let's take a little we'll break. But uh, all this really yeah, wow. Stuff. Yeah, we're we're getting this is the realness. This is the realness. Going into the reef here. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I'll see you. Uh, see you right after this. <laughs> and we're back. We're back. Um, Should we give some context? Yeah, man. So about we're, what's been going on? Yeah, a lot's been going on. <laughs> a lot's been going on. A lot of unexpected twists and turns. Yeah. Um, we're here at Tatonas. We're at Tatonas. We're not at the. We're not at the aquarium. No. We got busted. Yeah. 
And I, you know, I've been thinking about it a lot. So apparently, you're not allowed to, you know, do any sort of professional recording there. Um, but it, I realize it's like, well, that means that we're professionals. We have to ask permission from the PR person because we are professionals. And <laughs> I also had that little feeling of pride when he said that to us too. Yeah. 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 So nice. But uh, so maybe I don't know. May, uh, maybe next time. Next time we gotta. I don't know. We gotta gotta figure out something to do with that aquarium. Yeah. Because I still want to see it. All right. And it seems like it's important to your life. So maybe there's some sort of. I don't know, part two. We'll, we'll figure it out. All right. There's a, there's a story I really wanted to tell you about working. Wait, have I told you this story before? I don't Maybe I don't, in the context of our work lives. I don't think so. About my, one of my favorite things about being a walrus expert. Should I tell you now or should I save it? I'll just tell you. You tell me. Yeah, no, you've never told me about okay. it. Okay. I had no idea your relationship with walruses. Ah, really deep, um, long. Uh, so there was... <laughs> So there was a um, an adolescent male walrus when I worked at the aquarium named Ivek. Uh, a Y V E Q. Okay, a nice Inuit name. Exactly. Yeah. So I was Ivek lived in in the walrus tank. Um, he was a rescue like orphaned walrus pup when they found him. Yeah. He was in there with um, an adult female and another and like I think a younger adolescent female. So Walt, so Ivek, young adolescent male, um, used to masturbate in the in the tank. Mm. <laughs> and I think we're all wondering how does a walrus masturbate? Like, what is that? How, like, what? How? Uh, fins with the with the you know the like front. Fins, the fins, his, his just like kind of flippers. Wow. Yeah. So flippers. like, so it wasn't. So it was like literally. Okay. Great. Yeah. Just like up wow. and down with the flippers. Wow. So I used to have. The best thing was when couples would be there at the tank and watching him. Like, is he? Say, mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and also parents and kids, and the parents would kind of try to, um, like, uh, explain what was going on. <laughs> Yeah, he's a horny young young dude that I back. And then um, when I was doing college visits, uh, the the walrus tank was being renovated, and so they moved Ivek from and the other walruses from the New York Aquarium to Mystic Aquarium in Connecticut, okay. Mystic, Connecticut. Okay. So my mom and I actually went in the midst of doing college visits to visit Ivek at the Mystic Aquarium. Did he recognize you? I thought so, but who knows? Did he? I mean, did he masturbate for you? <laughs> Not that I could see. Okay. Perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wonder what they're thinking about. I don't know. I mean, it, it was always amazing to me because it seemed very. Um, what's the word? It seemed like very exhibitionist. Yeah. But. Uh, couldn't sort of not be exhibitionist because right. he was always on exhibit. And I don't think I don't think that animals feel shame. Maybe they do. Dogs uh, sometimes. Dogs sometimes feel shame. I think. Yeah. Um, 
That's a lovely story. I, I'm glad yeah. you got to see Ivek again. I did, and he died. Oh, he subsequently died um, in the last few years. But he, he did sire a oh, good. Um, baby walrus. Great. So he put all that work to use eventually. Oh, good. And, good. Uh, yeah, but then he died. Oh, sad. Yeah. I have mixed feelings about the, the zoo and aquarium thing because I love animals. Mm-hmm. And there was a time in my life when whenever I went to a new city, the, like, the thing I had to do was go to the zoo or the aquarium. But now I also feel the, the empathy with the poor enclosed animals. Yeah, I, um, my aquarium that I love, really, I, well, I, well, I love uh, the Shedd Aquarium in Chicago. Mm-hmm. That was where I would go uh, as a youth. Mm-hmm. Really love it. And then I recently went to the Monterey Aquarium. Yo. Uh, and it was just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's no... It, it's almost as if there's no, like, border between, like, nature and mm. and the aquarium. Like, it's sort of this... It feels like this very organic, like... You know, this is just a little a little peek into, like, the vast, you know, natural habitat. World. Yeah, and so there's no one's, like, cloistered and dirty. Everyone seems, like, pretty happy. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's nice. That's cool. That's, yeah. that's, that's beautiful. Do you have a favorite zoo? I mean, I love the Bronx Zoo. But I think it's crazy making to go to a zoo or an aquarium with me sometimes. Maybe it's been a while, so maybe it's changed. But I can be very, especially in a new place. I don't think we would have been this way at the aquarium because I, like, know it and it's cool. Yeah. But in a new zoo or aquarium, like, I want to see everything. And I'm sort of systematic. About, I'm, like, a little OCD systematic about it. I find, and I I do admit that I have fatigue, like museum fatigue. It, yeah. it sets in like I want. I have so many good intentions. I want to see all the things, but yeah. I get I get tired. Mm. And I yeah, I would probably want to pick and choose. Like oh well, we don't really need to see the you know the razor clams. You know they're probably <laughs> the squirrels. The squirrels. Yeah. Yeah, but the thing is, at the, at the Bronx Zoo, of course, it's so huge that oh, you yeah. can't do everything. I mean, you no. have to. You literally have to pick and choose. Pick and yeah. choose. But that was the thing. Like, after college, when I was back in New York and a little, like, freelancey and had some more control over my time, on Wednesdays, I would try Because on Wednesdays, the Bronx Zoo is pay what you wish. Mm-hmm. So on Wednesdays, I would always try to go to the Bronx Zoo. <laughs> do you find that your love of marine biology, your love of the animals mm. influences the creative work that you make? Probably. I mean, I love incorporating sort of animal work and movement and state into my play a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, yeah, and I think the empathy that I can sometimes feel with animals is also translates into other creative parts. That's really interesting, actually. Mm. Yeah, because, I mean, I don't know, like, I think performance, something that really attracts me about performance is that that empathy, like, Mm. that you're striving to help the audience feel along with you like sort of feel in a way that you intended you know Mm -hmm. like certainly there's going to be variations but really it's just like through my body through my voice through my words 
you will be taken along this journey and like I want to be the conductor of your feelings basically and I never I never thought about like the connection with like animals like it's, it's mm. and know, when you think of an animal like what like what do you think of like what like like what Me? animals do you love and like yeah oh my god all of them because I'm very I feel like I'm very attuned to their sort of tempo and rhythm and state and the way of seeing the world actually I discovered as a result of my training um, that if you like enter into an animal's rhythm and state and make contact with them like make eye contact with them (coughs) sort of behaving as the animal they like freak out they can kind of freak out like you're training in uh, my theater training theater training yeah, yeah, yeah. Animals will freak out if you copy them. Yeah, they get really, they can get really aggressive and like, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's aggressive, if it's territorial, if it's fearful or what. But I've had the experience of, ah, I'll tell you, the like main example of this that I have is uh, the first time I went to New Orleans, I couch surfed in the apartment of a woman named Bullet okay. who has a... Um, a parrot named Sam. Okay. And uh, more reasonable name than his owner. Yeah, Sam's pretty Sam vanilla pretty, compared yeah. to Bullet. Yeah, Jesus. Um. So she was awesome. She was couch surfing, so it was free. But she like had a beautiful, clean, empty, big room to myself. Mm with a big bed and a closet. It was like unbelievable. Anyway, so she had this bird and the bird was cool. The bird was fine. The bird kind of like had the run of the house. Like the bird had a cage but could walk around as he liked like with his little yeah, you know, on the floor. And one day when Bullet was away and I was like hanging at the house by myself with Sam, I just started to look at Sam and act like Sam. Like, I was sort of just doing my parrot thing. <laughs> and after that point, he started acting really strangely. Um, it was the next day I was hanging out in my room. I was, like, packing or unpacking, getting ready to go out go out into the city. And I hear, like, tick, 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 tick. And the bird is standing in the doorway of the room, looking up at me, just kind of staring at me. And then all of a sudden, takes off flying, flies just above my head and around the room like two or three times and then lands again in front of me, which I thought was aggressive. It seemed to me like aggressive behavior. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that that was as a result of my mimicking him. (laughs) I bet. I mean, I bet he thought you were like a giant bird. Like, I think a lot of animals perceive humans as just giant versions of themselves. Right. That have very strange behaviors. (laughs) But like that, if you, if your behaviors are recognizable to them, it's probably very upsetting. I mean, it's clearly, it's very upsetting. Yeah. Is that a thing you've ever experienced? Never. Like with a dog or a cat or... I... I, I mean, feel like cats are actually too smart to buy that shit. Cat would probably be like, 
Well, they just like it, and dogs, I think, like it. Like when dogs, you act like yeah, that. like the sort of like, <laughs> yeah, like the paws in front and like the butt in the air with the wagging tail. Yeah. Like, I think they lo- they think it's fun. Right. They don't seem to be too bothered. And dogs, yeah. But other animals, no. I'm gonna try it though. <laughs> I don't know what. An- Maybe I'll try it with my cats. I have two cats. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do think though that the cats will probably just be like, eh. They don't. And they, Sorry, imitation. Yeah, they know. I mean, they know. Like, it's too. They like. They know who you are. Right. Yeah. They lo- <laughs> better than I know. Probably. <laughs> Sweet cats. Sweet cats. Um, I have a question for you about. Uh, your relationship. Yeah. It, what What things do you do to, like, maintain connection over long distance? Or just in general, like, what, like, what, yeah, that, that's, that's my question. Um, we are in touch a lot, every day, via text or call or video or something. Um, Aaron does a lot of sharing with me like music that he's into and he posts like music and videos and stuff to my Facebook wall which I am not as good as I want to be about like listening to right away but but I want to listen closely Yeah. and the opportunities that I have to sit and like listen to a piece of music are and not be distracted are very limited this is the thing that he and I have had a conversation about because he's like when I share stuff with you it's because I want to it's like I'm sharing a part of myself with you and so I want you to listen to it (laughs) and I say I know that and that's why I take it seriously and I want to listen to it when I'm like focused and paying attention and when I can engage and then give you like tell you about how I feel about it and he has said, I just want you to hear it. You don't have to be a critic or, like, intellectual. Just I just want you to, like, listen to it and enjoy it because I'm sharing it with you because it's part of me. It's like, okay. So that's a thing. That is a thing. Yeah. Both both very understandable. Like, yeah. I understand both sides of it. I definitely understand the, like, oh, I need to be in the right spot. I need to, like, bless this experience with mm-hmm. my full self. Like, I'm very much that way like I have I, I'm <laughs> thinking a lot about my own like email anxiety like I have a lot of email oh, anxiety oh I do too yeah so much do you do you delay in writing emails oh. because you want to like really yeah. concentrate and do it right yeah and yeah. like words are so important yeah. and like thank you so much alright the pizza has arrived oh, it's so delicious so we got a pepperoni and mushrooms. mushrooms at Totono's which was apparently voted number one pizza in America by the Food Network yeah, I and I think it's the best pizza in New York. That's my humble opinion. And you're, it, it counts for a lot. Mm. Do you want any uh, herbs? Like um, I'm a big fan of pepper flakes. Me too. I'm gonna grab some. Yeah. <laughs> mm. It's probably also very hot, so I think we should give yeah. it a minute to cool and also like let the flavors settle in. Okay. And then we'll do it. This is obviously a very family-owned, family-run place. Yeah. Lots of um, artifacts on the walls, lots of old pictures, lots of Catholic icons and... George H.W. Bush? No. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there he is. 
Yeah. I really love how they're so like slightly ornery. Yeah, slightly ornery and slightly dismissive in their service. Oh yeah. <laughs> but totally lovable. I think I think it's is it a, fine? I think it's fine. Uh, this is so very exciting. I do love pizza. Do you like thin crust? So much. Yeah. I mean, I love. I. I really. There's not a. There's not really a pizza that I don't like. Yeah. Uh, you know, in some previous cozy zone, you talked about seeking out pizza. I think it was in the context of you were saying something about your dad eating oh, yeah. pizza. Oh yeah. And I thought, and I thought to tell you to come here. No, no. This is are. this is one of the. I mean, this is one of the mythic places. This is delicious. Good. Delicious pizza. Oh my god. <laughs> They had a fire here a bunch of years ago, which apparently like happens at pizza places. Something about the ovens, the way they're made, how hot they get. I have an ex-boyfriend who lived above a, a pizzeria that caught on fire while he was living there. Oh my god! He got burned out of his apartment. Oh my god! Was he okay? Yeah, he was fine. Did he lose stuff? Mm-hmm. Oh no! Some stuff. But I think. It's good to avoid living above a, a pizza bar. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but then you get to, like, have pizza. Mm. So, like, whenever you want. Mm. Not, not that it's hard to come by, but... True. Yeah. This is so good. So good. So good. And super heavy. Yeah. We did good with the small, I think. I think we'll be good. Yeah. I think we'll be satisfied yeah. and not stuffed. Yeah. So, so email anxiety. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yes, I definitely delay emails like mm -hmm. I, I think it's I really liked what you were saying about your friend who wants to bring uh, poetry to the world you know and this mm -hmm. idea of I think sort of the large the larger view of what poetry is you know mm -hmm. not necessarily just text because um, it's it's poetry can be an action it can be a gesture it can be you know something visual mm -hmm. um, I feel like Emails. I don't know. Like, there's a lot of your spirit that goes into words. Like, what time of day does the email come? Like, have you acknowledged this person fully in your email? Like, I worry about that. It's like, oh, like, I know this is going on for you. I know, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, you just gotta. Sometimes you just have to fire something off. Yeah, you really do. I'm also trying to get better about when I when I feel like I really want to give attention to something, I'm trying to get better about writing immediately and just saying, like, hey, I've received this. I'm thinking about it, or I'll get back to you, or whatever. I'm still not that good about that, but I'm me trying. Neither. Me neither. Same here. If I, I think the one-man show that is living inside me right mm -hmm. now is all about email anxiety <laughs> yeah that's like my that's like my way in mm -hmm. to myself mm -hmm. um Hello? my my mom yeah. used to write me an email every day for years and I like couldn't respond to them or like just cause it's, there's so much email you know and it was so intense did she want you to respond I'm sure she would've I'm sure she would've wanted to yeah oh. wanted me to but like I couldn't. An email every day? Every day, for years. For years. Like, not just an email that said, hey, Ben, I love you, but... Uh, um, it was 
primarily, hey, Ben, I love you. Mm. And, like, maybe the weather. I mean, it wasn't like, yeah, it was just like, I'm thinking of you. I love you. Hope you're doing good. Like, they were so sweet mm. and so nice, but stressed me out so, so much. Uh-huh. And so, ultimately, I had to, like, muster up the courage to tell her, say, Mom, like, Mom, I, I think I need some, I need, I need a break. Yeah? Was, How did you respond to that? I think, it, well, you know, she no longer sends me a daily email. Mm-hmm. Did she say anything like what Aaron said to me that was like, I don't need you to write me a big thing in response. I just want to say hi. Or I just... Yeah. I mean, I think I sort of shut that down. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I... I like... Oh my God. I think that was the thing. Sorry, Sandy. No, like that... I mean, now I think... I think she did believe that. She just wanted me to receive them. <coughs> but like... I felt guilty about it. Right. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that's a big part of, of how he maintains contact with me across some, some space, some distance. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really exciting. I mean, I, I think a lot about, like, Creativity is like a love language. Like if you are a, an artist, you have something to give. Sharing that with someone you love is like a really, it's a really big deal. And really beautiful. Well, that's something too, for the most part. If he sends me, if he sends me something that's him singing or a song that he's written or something, I usually, I typically will listen to it pretty quickly. If it's something by somebody else, if it's like something he's been listening to, something he likes, I'm usually, I'm slower to do that. Sure. That makes sense. You gotta prioritize. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, There's a stronger connection with his presence, his voice, Mm. his thoughts, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Funny, the other day, because this exact conversation came up with him the other day, and said, you know, for example, that, that Punch Brothers song you sent me a long time ago, I think that was really a long time, I think that was, I don't know, October or something, and we've never talked about it since, and I was like, I've been listening to it, but you asked me to listen to it with headphones, with no distractions, and it's like 11 minutes long, um, and... I was like, I've been listening to it, but I listen to it. I like dedicate myself to listening to it for about three or four minutes, and then I am like on the road, or I'm brushing my teeth, or I'm distracted in some way. And so I wanted to like listen to it and read the lyrics and hear and like think about the structure of the song and think about all the things before I responded about it. But I've been listening to it. And he was like, That's all I want to know. So you heard it. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> but yeah. We really want to be good for people. Mm. I I don't know. That just that that's what I hear from that. Like it's so there's so much I don't know, it matters so much that we that we love people the right way. Mm. Like that I don't know, like that's I don't know, I empathize a lot with that like that struggle to like do the right thing, to like be to live your life in a way that honors 
honors the thing, honors mm-hmm. the offering. But it, it's so challenging. But then also ultimately, like, like he just wanted to hear. Like, maybe it was consuming your mind more than it was right. in his. You yeah, know? I think so. Yeah. Mm. All right, Marisol. Ben. I think it's time. I think it's time to uh, to get to the bottom of it. To to, to really like get into why we're here. Yeah. So, as you may know. I'm a representative of the Cozy Zone Foundation, um, which, uh, have you heard of it? It's a, it's a foundation uh, that gives unlimited funds to artist pairs to create uh, a collaborative project. Um, and it, it, they grant unlimited funds to see the completion of this project. And all they need uh, is, a, is a concept and a title. And you and I have been selected to create a project together Amazing. and apply for the, these unlimited funds. So what are we going to make? Oh my god. Alright. Uh, let me, uh, let me just, I think, let me, let me just put all this on the table. Sure. I, I think yeah. you are a, you are a scintillating performer. Like I am, I'm very honored to know you. I'm very honored to like watch you work. Uh, we're colleagues at work. Like I, it, it is, it is like a, a joy and a treat. Uh, you know, you, you worked at a, a party. Uh, that I uh, was that fun. It was the best. It was super fun for me. It was so fun. Great. It was so great. Uh, you were you were a mime at this like silent party, uh, this benefit for Elastic City, uh, and you, you, you did so well. I, I don't know. I just I I love watching you perform hmm. work, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just thinking a lot about like physical comedy. I'm mm-hmm. like I, in in this conversation like. Hearing your relationship to love and identity is like really exciting and, and making me think all those things. So I would be I would be excited to I don't know tap into some sort of like humorous physical exploration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to tell you about something I've discovered through my work on my solo show about the kind of poetry I'm wanting to bring to the world that I think also will resonate with you. Right. Based on Elastic City. Right. And also what I know about you. Um, so, so the true magic of my Red Nose Clown show. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the deal? Like, yeah, give us a, okay. a little synopsis. Yeah. yeah. It's a little, it's a little, yeah. Detour from the explicit conversation about the, the the foundation project. No, but it's important. I think it's important for us to, okay. you know, get a sense of your work. I'll give you some context. Yeah. So, the story is Princess Mildred, who's my clown, who's like flirtatious and very pink and um, a little bit sharp but in a very sweet way, um, has arrived in this place to have a housewarming party, a homewarming party, with her princey and, like, the people of the town, of the village, of the, you know, 
territory have been invited. But she's never seen the place before because this is a place that her princey has chosen for her. So she shows up, and it's not exactly what she has ex- expected to find in that it's like an empty, raw space. <laughs> and there are a bunch of people sitting there who've been like invited to the party. And she sort of... And he's not there yet. He's late. So she sort of makes the most of it and starts to imagine and conjure in the space a very sumptuous very pink, soft, like, beautiful palace and life for her and her prince. And, you know, there's, like, a four-post bed with a canopy and, like, a giant portrait of them on the wall and a pink champagne moat and um, a giant uh, garden full of a menagerie of fantastical creatures, um, all of which are pink. You know, she goes through a whole story of their life together, of like having a maid and eating petty fours, and there are fireworks, and she's making music, and they like she gets fat eating the petty fours, and then all of a sudden she gives birth to a baby, and the baby can walk immediately, and like it's just you know this beautiful this whole beautiful story. Um, and then of course she finds out that the prince is not coming because he's met someone else. So. Then she kind of has a crisis. Well, she destroys everything she's created, and then she has a crisis about, like, what is home anyway? Like, I thought home was, like, this thing I created and the story of me and my prince and this place, right? Um, anyway, so then she, like, sort of works through works through all the, all the cliches about what home is with the audience's help. And eventually she comes to some kind of some kind of resolution. Yeah. But the magic of the show then is that she, I, managed to get in every single performance every person in the audience to play. To like mime, to sing, and it's not a sort of embarrassing, terrible audience participation thing where no. I'm, like, pulling somebody out of the audience and, like, pulling them on stage to embarrass them. Right. It's basically, it's really about building a community of players in the room. God, that's lovely. I, am, I, am I correct to assume that, like, in the sort of building of this home, that the audience plays a part in, like, being part, like part of the menagerie? Like, are they, like, are they... They're flowers. They're flowers. Like, so they're part, they're, like... They're the materials of her fantasy of her home. Yeah, and some like, parts. Yeah. Yeah. So she's. They become flowers. Yeah. They like eat the petty fours. Yeah. Yeah. They see the fireworks. Yeah. They help her then like destroy everything. Yeah. So after, <coughs> hate to give it away, but I think it's like beautiful. Um, when she like decides to destroy everything that she's created. She has the audience all, like, drink out of mimed straw. Like, try to get rid of the moat, the pink champagne moat, by, like, drinking the moat out of straws. And they all do it. Like, everyone just plays. Oh, my God. And it's so beautiful. That's so cool. so beautiful. So I think I'm discovering that my real interest as a creator is is in creating community in that way. And in, like, allowing and facilitating a space in which adults can play. Yeah. Um... And and create something together. 
and people who are not necessarily who don't necessarily think of themselves as artists. Sure. Like to create to be playful and to create something, you don't need to be invited into a room of artists and like affirm your identity as an artist. You just have to be willing to play. Yeah. And you have to show up to a place where the artist or the person present believes in you and mm-hmm. needs you. Mm-hmm. And whatever you have, they need that. Yeah. I like that mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want to live my life like that. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's the that's what I want to make too mm-hmm. uh, in my life. That's lovely. Um, oh boy! And I think like what's really exciting about your clown show is the themes are very very real and intense. Like what? Like what if you're the one that you're supposed to be, spend your life with lets you down, mm-hmm. or it doesn't show up. Like, what if someone doesn't show up the right way? What if, like, the life you imagine for yourself, like, can never happen, or like, is too much, or is destroyed? Like, uh, what is home? Like that. What a question mm. to explore. In the yeah. Show. What is home? How do you build community? Um. What does it mean to be alone? I mean, it's a lot. I don't know. Do you think every solo show is partly about being alone? Not necessarily, right? Not necessarily, no. No. I don't think so. Not necessarily. No. Well, this is a big theme also with this clown, is like being alone. Yeah. And celebrating. And wanting to celebrate. Yeah. And then feeling super alone. And like, how the hell do I celebrate by myself? Yeah. Uh, Sad. Uh, so yeah. <clears throat> what um, what are some nourishing experiences you've had, like in an ensemble? Uh, I mean, among the students at the, at Heligos at the school that I attended in Italy, every day. every day. I mean, there was an expectation all the time that everyone who was watching was as vital to the thing being created as the people on stage, right? So that's that's a big deal. Like, that's a big sort of conceptual, philosophical root, I think, Mm. of the project that we're trying to make, too. Mm -hmm. Like, so if, if we are making work that invites people to play like you need to exalt those people as collaborators like the, I mean mm-hmm. like that it, that I guess moving through the world with that in the front of your heart like oh you watching this like you are so crucial to this performance like they're intrinsic to the, the performance that's happening yes yeah can you tell me a little bit about I mean, Smash type. I've never seen Smash oh, type. Yeah. But are you incorporating some of these, some of these concepts into that work? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the the work that I, I mean, it, it has it has lain dormant for some time, Smash mm-hmm. type. But in its in its ideal, you know, there. Like it, I think it, it in its ideal, it's not dissimilar from Commedia dell'arte, mm. where each letter of the alphabet has its own set of characteristics, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it has a spirit. It, it is a mask, right? That you that like 
inhabits your body and allows you to you know have a known set of, of behaviors and, and personalities that you then add into the rest of your colleagues in the alphabet and you and sort of mm. using that knowledge you create messages together mm -hmm. and that you know and they're sort of like you know different entry points to that so it could be you know you could it, it's like kind of a sport too like if you know the rules of the game you could just enter in like you don't need to have trained in it like you know I, we generally could like figure out if we had a basketball we sort of like know what to do with a basketball we, you know we're not like great with it but like you know you can dribble it and it goes in the basket and you pass it sometimes like yeah it's like that like that works like that like that is us playing basketball similarly like if you were you know what would be your letter what's your letter if you could choose like your spirit mm, letter I've thought about this mm. <coughs> I've thought about this but I don't remember what I thought what comes to mind now um E comes to mind. That's good. I like E. E, you would be a good E. Busy, you know, busy letter. Yeah. yeah. It's really, it's like enthusiastic and, oh, yeah. and energetic Ener and yeah. empathic. Empathic, everything. It's everything. Everywhere. Everywhere. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very busy, very, yeah, energy, yeah, it's lovely. So it E gives a lot. Yeah. E. Yeah, a lot. Um... So you're E and you know what to do, you know, and like you, so maybe you had gone, you've gone to E school for like three years or it's just like, oh, okay, I'm going to be E now. Oops, I'm sort of, I, I'm in it. you know, it's like, it's fine. Both are, both are valid. Both are beautiful. Both are important. They're just different, right? It's like a, it, I don't know. It's, and everybody owns E. Yeah. So you bring to E what you. Exactly. Yeah, that, yeah, know about it. Of course. Yeah. As much as we own anything, right? right? But yeah, absolutely. We all we all live it and it's crucial to our the way that we relate. So I don't know, like I think it's just there is such a there is there's such a sad like I think sort of cloistered high art can be so sad because like there is only a certain amount of people who are deemed worthy to practice it. Yeah, right? like, I'm so not interested in that. No, me neither. Because like what good is, I mean, it's just, it's, wor it's worthless just because it's like how do you, like you don't wake up being a virtuoso like you it always takes work like mm -hmm. everything to be good at anything always takes work and that work needs to be exalted I think like our you know our arts and education our teaching artists lives exalts that process mm -hmm. and like says like hey like sure 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 like being on a stage is great like wow look at this is this is really lovely and beautiful but like the joy is sort of this process and like figuring it out like everyone always has questions everyone always has ways that they can improve things that they're working on no matter what level they are and it's all beautiful and great so what are we going to do with this oh god oh god I think like I think what is really exciting to me and you know whether or not it manifests itself in mm. our in a cozy zone foundation project mm -hmm. like the idea of like being a singular person who can 
like uh, mobilize an audience, like who can mobilize an audience as as an ensemble. Mm. Like that sounds like what mm. you were doing in your show. It's like mm. you are a single person. You are a solo performer. However, you were in a room full of collaborators because you created the framework and the set of, you know, mm -hmm. your energy and your, you know, your generosity inspired people to play. Mm. And it made you better. And it, 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 you create something more than what you could have done by yourself. Mm -hmm. And so you were more than a solo performer. You were this almost cheerleader or... Mm, like a facilitator. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think that, like... That is really interesting. Like, I think that is mm. the... Where an audience becomes more than... Passive. passive. Yeah. <laughs> mm. And, of course, I think... And this is the first thing you said, that, that performing is good. Yeah. Performing, on our part, sort of gives permission, of course, right? Creates a container and a safe space in which the public can play. It's a model. I mean, I don't know what this is, but the, the thing that I just envisioned is, like, there is a, a person, a character, a, a, with a very specific look. Mm. And, that, like, whenever, like, if you see this person, like, if a person walked by, dressed a certain way, be like, oh, like, there's the person who's going to, like, we can go, like, follow that person and, like, play with them. Yeah. Like. Or, like and, street theater. Yeah. Street theater. Uh, yeah. But it's, like, part of the fabric of our, like, culture. It's just like, oh, look, there's, like, mm. there's playful guy. Mm. That, you know, I don't know exactly. But it's just like, oh, like, this persona... Like, when I see this persona, I know that mm -hmm. I'm allowed to do something. Mm. Um, I don't know. I don't know what an analog of that would be, but, like... You know what's terrible? You know what just came to mind as a sort of... Maybe sort of analogous idea? is like, Trump. Okay. And how Trump seems to facilitate a space in which people can express their most base racist racist ignorant ignorant selves yeah yeah <laughs> and love it and love it and yeah. like feel so supported in it and yeah. feel like it's right yeah so how do we do that how do right. we do that but for Wow. But and to create like be something beautiful and positive, right? And that's interesting. So Trump is in this. There's this this realm of politics, right? That like we the people are given access to this process in a way that is different from a lot of other things. Like a, like who are public figures? Like movie stars and politicians. Who else? Like who do we all know? Like who? Who are the celebrities? Athletes. Athletes. Movie stars, politicians, athletes. Uh, musicians. Mm. Like rock stars, pop stars, uh, fashion model. Mm. Not really. Guess that's it, really. Mm. I mean. I feel like with visual artists, we don't usually know the... We're not... 
we don't tend to be as invested culturally in the no. in the personality no. or rarely. the person of the visual yeah. artist. Right? Andy Warhol, Marina mm. Abramovich are like rare. They're rare cases. Frida. Frida. Um, but I think like I, I I don't know. I think this first impulse of like a politician <laughs> is it feels like a feels like a good. That feels good mm-hmm. because you are working to like. Ideally, a politician is working to better the world for their constituents, right? Mm. For the people. It doesn't happen. Maybe it happens, or it, it happens a little bit and is then perverted by the, you know, insidious structures that suture our society together. Mm. Um. Like, you know, Bernie wins, amazing, but then, you know, the jackals of, you know, society. Um, Yeah, like, it's like a clown mayor, like, you know, something like that, or like... Uh But it's also, like, like how, like, what is a low-status leader? Like, that's sort of, there's like some comedy about, yeah... Uh, the inspiration I just had was earlier we were talking about peripatetic, being peripatetic. Yeah, yeah. Can I read? Please, please. Okay. This is good. So. Nice bring back. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see if it's still in my world here. Yeah, okay, great. Peripatetic. Uh, an adjective. Traveling from place to place, especially working or based in various places for relatively short periods. And then it says Aristotelian. So, there's a whole peripatetic school of philosophy. Here we go. The Peripatetic School was a school of philosophy in ancient Greece. Its teachings derived from its founder, Aristotle, and peripatetic is an adjective described to his followers. A similar Greek word, peripatetikos, refers to the act of walking. And as an adjective, peripatetic is often used to mean itinerant, wandering, meandering, or walking about. After Aristotle's death, a legend arose that he was a peripatetic lecturer, that he walked about as he taught. And the designation peripateticos came to replace the original peripatos. So there's something about being on the move, about being like a clown philosopher on the move. Well, you're trying, maybe you're like striving to make a parade. Uh-huh, they're like, talking about parade. Mm-hmm. But, like, you don't, like, do you care? Like, you do. You want followers, but maybe you don't want followers, and maybe you don't want followers, and that's where the humor is. And then, like, like, it's just like, ah, get away, you know, like, why are you following me? And, With a wink. Right. And then it's like, oh, like, and then, like, oh, this will get you to stop following me. You go up to the window of the pizza place with a sign that says, Don't follow me. Yeah. I mean, I love, I mean, grumpiness. Is, I love grumpiness. <laughs> it's like, this is like, this is like Bernie Sanders. Is this grumpy? He's a little grumpy and shouty. Yeah. It's grump, and he, I don't know. Is he, like, I guess he's getting all these people, but he doesn't, like, he's not asking for any. Like, he's never, like, 
He doesn't pander. No. He ne- like does he? I don't know. Does he say join me? Maybe. I don't know. Ooh, okay. Grumpy, grumpy parade maker. Yeah. And then like, but what is the like? What is the? What is the release? Right, like, what what's is the, the release? So like, you 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 gather all. You're like sort of stirring up all of this energy. Like, you don't follow me, and obviously people are gonna follow. You know, people do the opposite of whatever. Mm-hmm. You know. There's something musical. Ah. Like a Pied Piper, like mm-hmm. this this person's peripatetic philosopher is. What is what are, what are they playing? Uh, accordion. I think a bass drum. Oh, this is another fantasy of mine. Is making a lot of noise. Percussion, major, big, loud percussion. Oh, that's fun. Mm-hmm. So, like a big percussive. Oh, and then right. It, and where do we go? Sorry, go ahead. You no, know, no, no. Uh, that's a great question. I don't know. Some some gathering place. Like where? Anywhere. I mean, you could go anywhere. Mm. You go all over, all sorts of different places. But I, maybe is the game to like, can you drown out this loud drum with your exuberance? Like, if this person wants to be alone and loud, like, and everyone else tries to make them <laughs> like m- m- small or like you know, t- t- like overpowers them and. Uh, what's the word? This overpowers them in numbers and sound. It's like I, like I'm alone. Like there's my lonely drum. Look at me, I'm so alone, and it's great. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, yeah, where do they go? And like, what is, what do they want? Like, what is the actual objective here? I mean, you actually want people to gather around and play together. Okay, the grumpy. The grumpy, sort of misanthropic percussionist, but bass drum player or whoever, needs something. Like, needs help. Right. He's lost. This is, this is, this is... Don't help me. This is, uh, but this is the thing, like, you were saying, like, you wanted, all you wanted is to get lost. You love getting lost. And what if this person, where, yeah, well, this person is trying to find X, but they're devastatingly lost. Could they be trying to find something that is either, that is, like, immaterial? Freedom, right, uh, justice. But I think it needs to be more simple than that. It needs to be, like, stupider than that. Okay. But similarly, um, similarly immaterial. Room, space. I need some space. Boom, boom. <laughs> I just need. Can you give me some space? Come on. That I feel like looking for space. I need like given. That also resonates with. I I need. I'm looking for my space. I need some space right now. But I feel like if you ask people not to follow you because you need space, they actually will not follow you. Right. It's tricky. If it's something like, leave me alone, I'm, I just need 
and it's something you actually do need people for. It's like, leave me alone. I just need love. Leave me alone. I just need a hug. <laughs> leave me alone. I just need, I don't know what, beauty, poetry. That's, that's stupider something. than justice and freedom. Poetry? I think so. Poetry is more stupid than. No, maybe not. Uh, you, you don't like space. Because you're, I mean, I, you're right. Like. Because it needs but, to be something that people actually can make. Right. And, right. But be active in making. I, the, like, have you seen my parade? I'm looking for my parade. Hmm. Get away from me! I need to find my parade. <laughs> That's kind of brilliant. Get, get out of here! I'm the, this is I have my parade that I'm looking for. The person, the just the lost the the lost parade person. Right. It's like stone soup. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Listen, I had I was part of this great parade, and the, you can t say all about this. It's, it's a very similar structure to your clown show. Like, yeah. Let me tell you about this parade I was in. There was there were there were fireworks and elephants and zebras. Uh, but I, I this is not this is not you're not my parade. I need to, and then it's nice. Maybe. Yeah. Who is this grumpy parade person? It doesn't matter. It sort also, of matters. there are two of us. All right. Is one of us the front and one of us the back? Is one of us like? Was one of us the grumpy leader, and one is like trailing way behind, and then with the poop, with the poop, <laughs> poop room, the poop room. I would love, I would love a poop room. <laughs> and then the task for everyone else is to like fill in the space between the two. So you know, so I'm a big Marina Abramovich fan. And I, do you know, you know her? I didn't know that, but I know a little bit about her. Well, so there's a, that the piece she did with her her lover and collaborator Ule. This? Which one? That one, right. Well, the one where they start on opposite ends of the Great Wall of China and meet in the middle right. and then break up and then go to the other side. Oh, God. So, I mean, Wait, do they go back to where they came or do they switch sides and go? Oh, they, no, they switch sides. I think they cross. They meet in the middle, they break up, and then they, they go keep the going, I think. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the performance ends. I don't know. But the point is, that might be nice. Like, we're looking for each other. And we start on we start on opposite ends of the world, mm -hmm. and we're just like, where the fuck is where's my parade? Where's my parade? And not, that's not a good impression of you, but <laughs> uh, that's lovely. I like that. If you're the beginning and I'm the end, mm. and then we meet somewhere. We meet. We decide. You know. Where you know, and we have a lot of money, so we can't. It can be. We can get on a plane. We can get on a boat. You know, and we can bring the people with us. Of course. Yeah, whoever wants to come along. It's like the. You know, I imagine it's not dissimilar to like a Olympic torch thing too, where like you know people are camped out in their local area. You know. Oh, I love that. This is nice. And so, what do we call it? Uh. Are you my parade? <laughs> Are you my parade? It's like our parade. That's nice. Yeah, I like that. Great. 
our parade. That's so nice. It's beautiful. Marcel, thank you for this epic, cozy day thank at Cozy you. Island. Yeah. yeah. This is so nice. I'm so glad you invited me. Oh, I'm so glad. Thanks for coming to, down. Oh, pleasure. Uh, yeah, let's get this pizza to go and rock it out. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'll see you uh, right after this. Yep. We are intimately finding our peaceful, cozy zone. And then he interviews friends. It's awkward and then it's cozy zone. Occasionally it's a lovely thing to be nosy in somebody's cozy zone. So please snuggle up sweet. A beautiful thing is cozy zone.